back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. November 19th, 2020. Cutting through the dish hysteria. When Paul Kirby from TR Daily broke the news yesterday morning that the FCC had finally made a ruling on the DISH-designated entities, we thought the implications would have been obvious. Perhaps we have been too in the weeds on this topic over the past five years. The subsequent press coverage has clearly missed the mark, so we thought it would be helpful to quickly outline our views. Sorry for the delay. We also discussed the importance of DISH's deal with Qualcomm and some reaction to Neville Ray's comments about ORAN. DISH is clearly starting to worry the industry. Here's a quick history. First, DISH and two of its designated entities bid in the AWS 3 auction. They bid in the same room and did not hide this fact as there was nothing in the rules that prohibited it. The DEs had winning bids of $13.3 billion, but based on the bidding credits, the group only owed $10 billion. DISH won no spectrum at that auction. Chairman Wheeler, a Democrat, invalidated the DE's bidding credits. Rather than paying the $3.3 billion, the DE's returned spectrum equating to that value. The DE's returned 197 licenses, but New York and Chicago alone represented 70% of the value. Because the DE's returned spectrum, rather than paying $3.3 billion, the group paid a $516 million default penalty. The DE's appealed Wheeler's FCC ruling to the D.C. Circuit in 2015. Two years later, in August of 2017, the D.C. Circuit panel of judges unanimously ordered the FCC to allow the DEs to, quote, negotiate a cure for the de facto control the FCC found that DISH exercised over them, close quote. Despite that order, the FCC refused to engage or negotiate with DISH as instructed by the D.C. Circuit. No guidance, no negotiation. The DE submitted their application cure on June 8, 2018. Two years and five months later, and mere weeks before Chairman Pai likely resigns from office, the FCC apparently decided to deny the attempt to cure in a vote that was not even discussed at the FCC's open meeting. Cue the hysteria. Hours after TR Daily broke the news, media outlets decried the move as a, quote, significant setback and a, quote, huge devastating blow to DISH, and they would have to, quote, relinquish and lose ownership of its spectrum. Wow. Just wow. Here are some quick facts. Neither DISH nor its DEs own or control the spectrum in question, so it's already, quote, lost and relinquished. If this FCC returned the spectrum to the DEs, it would increase DISH's spectrum position by 3.7%. DISH does not need this spectrum to execute on its 5G plan. Can the same be said for Verizon and AT&T if they are not successful in the C-band auction? In New York, DISH controls 142 MHz of spectrum compared to 151 MHz for AT&T and 167 MHz for Verizon. The return DE spectrum represents an additional 10 megahertz of spectrum. In Chicago, DISH has 100 megahertz of spectrum. That compares to 175 megahertz for AT&T and 137 megahertz for Verizon. In that market, the return DE spectrum represents an additional 20 megahertz of spectrum. Keep in mind, AT&T support millions of customers 
on the spectrum in those markets. Dish supports none. Meanwhile, not one outlet questioned why Chairman Pai sat on valuable spectrum for more than two years while talking about the need to beat China in the race to 5G. Even if Dish were to lose, Pai's two-year delay and the likely multi-year subsequent court challenge has set back the time to re-auction that spectrum by years. What's next? The FCC order and comments by fellow commissioners should be out in a few weeks. DISH and the DEs will likely take some time to review the order before returning to the D.C. Circuit for a ruling. It could take years for the D.C. Circuit to rule, but ultimately, a panel of judges could order the FCC to recognize the bidding credits. That would mean the return of that spectrum and presumably a refund of the $516 million default payment. We believe that is the most likely outcome. The facts are clearly on the side of DISH and its DEs, as we have written about ad nauseum in the past. We were not surprised by the FCC's ruling, given its unwillingness to engage with DISH on curing the application and the lengthy delay in acting on the item. It's disappointing, but not entirely surprising, that the order achieved bipartisan support. The action was initiated by Democrat Tom Wheeler, and then dragged out by Republican Ajit Pai, who was vocal in his criticism of DISH following the auction. The frustration of the FCC commissioners is understandable in light of their own weak auction rules. However, its decision to simply change the rules after the fact because it didn't like the outcome will ultimately be decided by the courts. We can only assume that each commissioner believes in the merits of the FCC's legal grounding for this ruling. We might see some indication of that based on any comments that are attached to this ruling. If a commissioner knows this order will not hold up in court, supporting it simply delays the use of spectrum for years, which is hardly in the public's best interest. If the D.C. Circuit affirms the FCC ruling, the spectrum can be re-auctioned. DISH would be on the hook to pay the FCC the difference between $3.3 billion and the winning bids from the re-auction, if they were in fact lower. At best, we believe the auction would occur in 2023, eight years after the initial auction. Even though the AWS 3 auction achieved record prices, we believe these licenses would be sold for more than $3.3 billion in 2023. As a reminder, New York and Chicago represent 70% of the value of the licenses in question. The FCC is still letting AT&T and Verizon use the spectrum for free. The drama over the C-band auction was largely about not enriching companies and securing cash for the Treasury. Yet, the FCC continues to allow AT&T and Verizon to use Spectrum worth billions for free. At the start of the pandemic, Special Temporary Authority, STA, to use Spectrum was granted by the FCC. T-Mobile benefited from its free use of 600 megahertz Spectrum from DISH, Comcast, and others. But those STAs expired, and T-Mobile was forced to pay lease revenue to several of those companies. Similarly, Verizon was granted an STA to use DISH's AWS Spectrum, which to our surprise was deployed within days. They have subsequently returned that Spectrum to DISH. Interestingly, the FCC also awarded STAs to Verizon and AT&T for the DISH DE Spectrum that was returned. However, Chairman Pai has not asked these large, dividend-paying companies to return that spectrum or make any lease payments to the government, as has been the case in nearly all other scenarios as described above. In other news, 
Dish's announcement with Qualcomm was interesting in two respects. First, it improves and accelerates the probability that all of Dish's spectrum will be included in the iPhone. Dish will still need to deal directly with Apple, but having Qualcomm on board is a big win. Second, Qualcomm's re-emergent role in infrastructure should enable a greater diversity of radio vendors from which to choose. That is a clear negative for Nokia and Ericsson. We were also amused by the dressing down of Oran technology by T-Mobile's Neville Ray. It was reminiscent of how he used to discuss 2.5-gig spectrum when Sprint owned it. Interestingly, Neville and other CTOs have told us for years about the benefit of plug-and-play commoditized radios, but were never actually able to accomplish it. To be fair, radio pricing declined anyway. Clearly, it is challenging for an incumbent operator to shift a legacy network to ORAN. This is especially true for T-Mobile, which has to deal with integrating the Albatross Sprint network. Therein lies the advantage that DISH has from building from scratch today. Simplicity. Flexibility. Reduced costs. Operators also routinely manage a broad array of vendors. Does having one OEM neck to strangle deliver the best results? Would you rather have a plug-and-play, flexible network with best-in-class components or a bundled solution from one OEM in a given market? T-Mobile recently experienced a 12-hour nationwide outage when it was installing a router. Did they simply make one call to an OEM when that happened? At the end of the note, I included a bunch of links to past notes that were written about this designated entity issue. Enjoy. Enjoy.